Welcome to Well That Was Weird, the podcast, Serial Saturday edition, where each week we discuss a different serial killer and give our opinions on their heinous crimes. My name is Isaiah. Uh, and I'm Chance, and uh, this week uh, we are discussing Harold Shipman, a.k.a. Dr. Death, the Angel of Death, <laughs> <and> <laughs> Good Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Death. Ah. That's the only way you can say that. You can't just be like, hmm. Dr. Death, huh? You're going to be like, also known as Dr. Death. From <laughs> the bowels of hell, he rose. That's you a know. pretty fucking metal ass name. He's yeah, Angel yeah, of dude. Death, Dr. Death. <laughs> then you look at him and you're like, oh, that's Unky Fred. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He looks so nice, doesn't he? <laughs> he looks like a normal guy. <laughs> um, yep. So we're Although I I have I have a, an issue though. You can't just call him the fucking angel of death. That name was already reserved. Yeah, that was uh Joseph Mengele. Yeah, you can't just you can't just decide <laughs> arbitrarily to name the guy the angel of death. Like that name was already taken. Those those you know, Angel of Death was taken, Joseph Mengele, you know, Tommy Meatballs or whatever was taken <laughs> by the Jersey Mafia. Like you can't share names like that. No, you can't. Oh god. So okay. Yeah, so, Harold yeah. uh old Harry Shipman. Um Let's learn. Yeah. Uh it was known to acquaintances as uh Fred Shipman, uh was an English yes. general practitioner who was believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history. And on thirty first okay. of January in two thousand, he was found guilty of the murder of fifteen patients who were under his care, but his number total of victims was approximately two hundred and fifty. So, so so far, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, he will probably hold the highest k- kill count of anyone that we talk about on this show. Um, God. He was sentenced to life imprisonment with a recommendation that he never be released. Um, and then I'll leave the ending to later on. I won't give that away. Um, so we'll just we'll go ahead and dive in here. But uh, Harold Frederick Shipman was born on the 14th of January, 1946, on the Bestwood yeah. Council Estate in Nottingham, Nottinghamshire, England. Uh, he's the first English killer that we've talked about, I believe, or the first mm. European um, mm-hmm. outside of the U.S. Uh, the second of three children of Harold Frederick Shipman, a truck driver, and Vera Britton. Uh, his working-class parents were devout Methodists. And when growing up, Shipman was an accomplished rugby player in youth leagues. Um, oh. He, and honestly, he sounded like a pretty normal dude. And again, like everybody else we've talked about, he pretty much excelled in school. Um, he passed his 11 plus in 1957. And uh, an 11 plus is an examination administered to some students okay. uh, in England and Northern Ireland uh, in their last year of primary education. Ah, and that okay. kind of determines, it, it, I guess it's almost like an SAT. It determines. Yeah, it kind of. It like, determines whether you're going to college or whether you're going to be in yeah. trade school or... Yeah, like uh, for him, it was like, are you going to grammar school or like a secondary school to figure out, you know, like a trade or whatever. Hmm. Um, so he moved, uh, moving to high pavement grammar school in Nottingham, which he left in 1964. He excelled hmm. as a distance runner. And in his final year, <laughs> final year uh, at school, served as vice captain of his athletics team. He was particularly close to his mother, who did die of lung cancer uh, while, when he was 17 years old. 
And okay. it's good to note that her death came in a manner similar to what became of Shipman's own uh, modus operandi, uh, as the wiki calls it. In the later uh, stages of her disease, she had morphine administered at home by a doctor, uh, and he witnessed his mother's pain subside despite her terminal condition until her death in 1963. In 1966, he married uh, Primrose May Oxtoby. <laughs> what an English name. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> Hello, my name is Primrose May Oxtoby. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the couple had four children. Uh, Shipman studied medicine at Leeds School of Medicine, University mm. of Leeds, graduating in 1970. So he's obviously a smart guy. Yeah, um, began working at the uh, what was it Pontefract General Infirmary uh, in <laughs> West Riding of Yorkshire, or Yorkshire. These, these uh, Brits, man, dude, they just they have to have fourteen names in a city. Like <laughs> uh, in 1974, took his first position as a general practitioner at the Abraham Ormerod Medical Center <laughs> in Todmorden. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's better than here. We we could have like the fucking AT&T Wireless Hospital and Air yeah. Care Center. <laughs> I don't know. Like... <laughs> Cancer treatment sponsored by T-Mobile. Um... <laughs> we are living in a dystopia. We really God. are. In the following year, Shipman was caught forging prescriptions of pethidine, uh, which pethidine is... Dimerol, right? Uh, yeah, it's Dimerol. Uh, it's a synthetic opioid pain medication. Oh. Um, for his, uh, he was prescribing it for his own use. He was taking it himself. Oh. Um, he was fined okay. six hundred pounds and briefly attended drug rehab clinic in New York. Yeah, he, uh, he became a general practitioner at the Donnybrook Medical Center in Hyde near Manchester in nineteen seventy seven. He continued working as a general practitioner in Hyde throughout the nineteen eighties and established his own surgery at twenty one Market Street in nineteen ninety three becoming a respected member of the community. In 1983, he was interviewed in an edition of Granada television documentary World in Action on how the mentally ill should be treated in the community. A year okay. after his conviction, the interview was rebroadcast on Tonight with Trevor McDonald. So I guess it's good to note that, you know, 1993, he's like, oh, I, you know, made... Uh, like I have my own practice or whatever, but during this entire time he was murdering people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and we're going to get into that uh, a little bit here. And of course uh, we take most of our information and things from the, the Wikipedia pages on these guys, which has already brought together a lot of info from external links and all that fun stuff. Um, so let's go down here. In March of 1998, Dr. Linda Reynolds of the Brooks Surgery in Hyde. Um, okay. I, and that's assuming he had marked or he had worked somewhere in Hyde. Expressed okay. concerns to John Pollard, the coroner of the South Manchester District, about the high death rate among Shipman's patients, which, <laughs> uh, looking at the kill count that he has, and as long as he was a doctor, no one noticed this. <laughs> well, I mean, I was. I was just kind of thinking that, like, okay, either way, either way, uh, high mortality rate among patients, it either signifies that you're killing them or that you're a shitty fucking doctor. Well, 
I, I mean, mean if, it, if you I'm, just have an unusual amount of people that die in your care, you're either a shitty fucking doctor or you're killing them on purpose. Yeah. It, and I'll have to, I'll double check the, the timelines, but um, it sounds like, I, I think I was wrong. It, it sounds mm-hmm. like all of his deaths actually occurred within just a couple years in the 90s. So he didn't start until the mid 90s killing people well shit i mean the the majority i guess um Mm. in particular the doctor was concerned about the large number of cremation forms for elderly women that he uh he had needed countersigned Uh, okay he has to sign off on all of them or whatever yeah uh, or needs someone else to sign off on them. Uh, police were unable to f- find sufficient information or evidence to bring charges and close the investigation <laughs> on April 17th. So they were just like, can't find it. Sorry. The shipment inquiry later blamed the great Manchester police for assigning inexperienced officers to the case, which is going to come up, I think, a couple more times in this uh, when you we know? talk about it, <clears throat> is that they they kept trying, I think, to investigate him further and it was always yeah. dropped because they were like we just don't really have anything so you know that's that seems to be a common thread uh, amongst a lot of these serial killers that we've talked about is there's we see this uh, in almost all of them is that the stuff could have been stopped early on yeah but the investigations didn't really dig deep enough to find what the hell was actually happening well that's the thing though like it's i think it's easy for us to be like yeah like they should have done something more but at the same time accusing or blaming someone of murder is a huge deal (laughs) so like if you do investigate and you're like this guy's murdering someone we know and you arrest them and try to investigate all of it and then you don't find anything like how is that going to make you look you know like well yeah i mean I was thinking about um, Gary Heidnick, you know, when we talked about him last week, the neighbors called the police because his, his house smelled really bad, like decaying bodies. Yeah. And the police were just like, hey, you know, we wanted to come check out the bad smell around here. And the guy was like, oh, I was cooking a roast and burned it. And they just bought it. Yeah. Like, didn't say, can we come in and look around? <laughs> like They were just like, ah, sorry, Gary. <laughs> sorry to bother. You know, like, that's kind of what I'm talking about is, yeah. you know, Yes, I, I get that like accusing somebody of murder is, is like a serious thing and you better have your fucking ducks in a row before you go and investigate that person for murder, but you could at least just kind of put a look little into, effort it. into it. And put a little effort. Yeah, that's true cuz a lot of these it's like they weren't actually accusing these people of murder. They just didn't do their job. <laughs> it's like uh-huh. they they could have gone that extra step and or not even an extra step. It's just been like, "All right, cool. Like, hey man, We'll take your word for it. You were cooking. Do you care if we look around and just make sure everything's in order? Yeah, and just then, take a peek inside. Yeah, and of course he would have been like, no, 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 no. And then it's like, mm, okay, well, we'll go get a search warrant. Yeah, I mean, that could have been the end of it right there. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, this is kind of a similar situation is they kind of, they looked around and they didn't really find any evidence, but of course you're not going to find evidence. The guy's a doctor. Yeah. It's not like he was... It's not like he was like brutally like mangling these people in his bathtub and you're going to find evidence of it all over the place. Right. He's going through the normal channels. All he's doing is just either like smothering them or injecting them. 
and then saying, oh, this old person died of natural causes, cremate them. Yeah, and going into this a little bit more, we're not going to learn a whole, whole lot about what he did. Like, with our yeah. other kill- killers that we've talked about, it's like, oh, he they raped them and hung them up in their garage or whatever. With Shipman, it's pretty straightforward. Like, he was a mm. doctor. He was seeing elderly patients, and what he was doing was either prescribing or overdosing them with morphine and other, like, high doses of chemicals that were killing them. So yeah. with him, it's like he's not the typical, like, I'm going to go out, find a victim, inject them with something, and then like leave their body in a park somewhere. It's like he's doing it under the nose of the the hospital. Like he's doing it right there. Mm. Um, so his, you know, it's, it's not as wild uh, as we normally cover, but the amount of people that he was able to get away with killing is just outrageous. Um, yeah. So after that investigation was closed, Shipman ended up killing three more people. In August, taxi driver John Shaw told the police he suspected Shipman of murdering 21 patients. A taxi driver. (laughs) Well, how does Uh, the taxi driver know anything about it? Well, Shaw became suspicious as many of the elderly customers he took to the hospital, who seemed to be in good health, ended up dying in Shipman's care. Shipman's last victim was Kathleen Grundy, who was found dead at her home on the 24th of uh, June 1998. So I, I guess he wasn't doing them all in the hospital. It was, he was also, I think house he was maybe health house calls or giving them something, you know? Um, yeah. He was the last person to see her alive and he later signed her death certificate regarding, uh, recording the cause of death as old age. Grundy's daughter, lawyer, <laughs> Angela Woodruff became concerned when a solicitor, Brian Burgess informed her that a will had been made, apparently by her mother, with doubts about its authenticity. (laughs) The will excluded Woodruff and her children, but left 386,000 pounds to Shipman. (laughs) (laughs) This is such horseshit. Out of all the ways to get caught, you're going to do it that way. Right, like... I don't get it. This guy could have gone on killing until he died. If he didn't fuck up right there. The thing is, he should have, and I'm I'm not like advocating for him in any way, but I'm saying no. like, if you're going to go to this length and kill that many people, did you not do your research? Like, he knew to exclude her, her daughter and her grandchildren. It's like, do you not know that her daughter is a lawyer who is like yeah. well versed in this kind of thing? <laughs> like, well, and even then, why why tamper with the will and leave money to you, your family doctor? Yeah. Nobody does that. <laughs> No, like, come on, man. It's a doctor. Like, they make enough money off of you. Like, that was dumb. <laughs> now, at Burgess's urging, Woodruff went to the police who began an investigation. Grundy's body was exhumed and found to contain traces of uh, diamorphine or heroin, uh, often used for pain control and terminal cancer patients. Shipman claimed that um, Grundy had been an addict and showed them comments he had written to that effect in his computerized medical journal. However, examination of his computer showed yeah. that they were written after her death. Oh. Shipman was arrested on 7th of September 1998 and was found to own a brother typewriter of the kind used to make the forge will. So he, he typed Hi. up the will himself. <laughs> uh, 
Prescription for Murder, a 2000 book by journalists Brian Whittle and Gene Ritchie, suggests that Shipman forged the will either because he wanted to be caught because his life was out of control mm. or because he planned to retire at 55 and leave the UK. So that kind of makes more sense. Like he's either like, I'm yeah. just done with this. Fucking catch me, please. Or yeah, I'm going to retire and I just need this money and I'm desperate. I mean, I guess I can see that. Uh, but yeah, the, the police investigated other deaths that shipment had certified and investigated 15 specimen cases. They discovered okay. a pattern of his administering lethal doses of diamorphine, signing patients' death certificates, and then falsifying medical records to indicate that they had been in poor health. In mm. 2003, David uh, Spiegelhalter, Spiegelhalter suggested that statistical monitoring could have led to an alarm being raised at the end of 1996 when there were yeah. 67 excessive deaths in females aged over 65 compared to his 119 by 1998. Now, okay. <laughs> so he was arrested in 1998. His trial began at Preston Crown Court on October 5th of 1999. He was charged with the murders of 15 women by lethal injection of diamorphine all between 1995 and 1998. Um, mm. If you want a full list of those women, it's listed on the wiki page. I'm not going to go through them. Um, yeah. But Shipman's legal repre uh, representatives tried unsuccessfully to have the Grundy case tried separately from the others as a motive was shown by the alleged forgery um, because I, I'm assuming that's the only time he ever tried to forge a will. Uh, but he was yeah. definitely, I guess, it was considered forging of those death certificates all these years. Yeah. So on the 31st of January in 2000, after six days of re or sorry deliberation, uh, the ah. jury found Shipman guilty of 15 counts of murder and one count of forgery. Mr. Justice, okay, that's where the forgery came in. Yeah. So yeah, because if he was sentenced to four years on top of his multiple life sentences, um, Mr. Justice Forbes subsequently sentenced Shipman to life imprisonment on all 15 counts of murder with a recommendation that he never be released to be served concurrently with a sentence of four years for forging Grundy's will. Big whoop on the four years added to all of those life sentences. Um, on the 11th of February, 10 days after his conviction, Shipman was struck off by the General Medical Council. Uh, two years later, Home Security David Blunkett uh, oh, sorry, Home Secretary, uh, confirmed the judge's whole life tariff just months before British government ministers lost their power to set minimum terms for prisoners. While authorities could have brought many additional charges, they concluded that a fair hearing would be possible in view of the enormous publicity surrounding the original trial. Furthermore, the 15 life sentences already handed down, rendering further litigation unnecessary. So yeah, <laughs> he was uh, consistently denied. Uh, well, Shipman consistently denied his guilt and, and disputed the scientific evidence against him. Uh, Still, yeah, he made several public statements about his actions. His wife steadfastly uh, maintained her husband's innocence even after his conviction. <laughs> Which, Lord, I kind of get why she was defending him because yeah. she probably never saw any of this. Like. No. And it doesn't really say how he was at home. Like, 
we could probably dive into that a little bit more, but um, I'm, I mean, from what I've read, anything about him, it sounds like he's either making those house calls and he's doing all of this at the hospital. So she had no reason, I'm sure, to even consider he would be murdering people. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I I recently read a book and it had a whole section that, that talked about medical murder. Yeah. And it's actually more common than, than you'd think. And mainly because it's it's so easy to keep it separate from your personal life. Right. You know, you don't have to, you know, a lot of these serial killers that, you know, they have to be gone at certain times, like at night to go do this. And their spouses can eventually be like, yeah, he was always gone at like three in the morning. You know, like, <laughs> but medical murder, if you work in the medical field, it's just part of your job, basically. Yeah. So if you if you understand the way the medical system works like this guy did, you know, he. Uh, like Harold Shipman, he would always, um, well, one of the things that he would always do is he would always convince the families of his victims that that they needed to be cremated. Right. That was one of the things he did because he understood the system enough to know that cremation would destroy any evidence. That's what gets me is like he got away with this for several years. I mean, if he didn't start killing people until the 90s, he did yeah. it. He ramped up super fast, which I feel like was an issue. Like it would make more sense if he was like, okay, I started killing people in like the seventies or eighties. And then by 1998, it was like 200 people. But I mean, yeah. like looking at this, it's like from 1995 to 1998, he had 119 deaths. Like, why are you ramping up so quick? And if you knew to have them cremated, why did the last woman like, and you forged the will. Why wouldn't you put something in the will that's like, please cremate me? Yeah, if you're going to go through all that trouble. Right. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, medical murder is actually kind of a really interesting... Um, really interesting uh, subset of serial killers. Yeah. Um, and there's been quite a few. I mean, of course, you know, when we're talking about medical murder, you know, there's there's some of the original, you know, the original guys of the, the Burke and Hare story. If, if you remember that, mm, I don't think so. Um, it was 19th century, uh, Scotland. Uh, basically these guys, um, the city's medical schools were constantly short on bodies to dissect. Um, so Burke and Hare basically, uh, began body snatching. Huh. Um, and selling the bodies to the to to the university, but then they just discovered uh, that body snatching was too much work and too risky, so they began murdering people and taking their bodies to the university and getting <laughs> paid for every body they brought in. Jeez! Oh, um, digging someone up was too risky, but murdering wasn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but. You know, a lot of these people who committed medical murder, you know, Harold Shipman, he's known as the old lady killer. You know, yeah. Who were, um, you know, because he, he spent decades being a doctor. And I mean, the thing with him is we don't really know when he started killing people. Do we? I mean, we don't know an exact uh, I think it goes date into of the first little... time he did it. 
Yeah, it goes into a little bit more, but I I think there was there's a bigger investigation after he died. Yeah. So, and we yeah. we'll, we'll read about that in a minute. I mean, then of course, you know, like people that we probably won't ever ever get to um, you know, when it comes to medical murders just because their their story was so short, we won't we won't ever do them on the show, but you know, like um uh Niels Hogel, uh I think he was a German German nurse. Um you know, he uh, he was only convicted of two counts of murder and two counts of attempted murder, but his was the same basic idea. It was injecting them with a drug that would send the patient into a heart attack, basically cardiac arrest, yeah. so he could resuscitate them because he was bored. <laughs> Jeez. But really, medical murder is one of those things I really feel like we don't know exactly how much of it there is because there could be people doing it and have done it for years and years and years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because, you know, this guy, Shipman, we don't really know when he started doing it, and we don't really know exactly exactly how many he killed either. Now, Shipman is the only doctor in the history of British medicine that has been found guilty of murdering his patients. Uh, John mm-hmm. Adams, John Bodkin Adams, was charged in 1957 with murdering a patient amid rumors he had killed dozens more over a 10-year period and, quote, possibly provided the role model for Shipman. However, he was acquitted. Uh, mm. Historian Pamela Cullen argued that because of Adams' acquittal, there was no impetus to uh to examine the flaws in the British legal system until Shipman's case. Now, Shipman at this point had been uh in prison for like f- 6 years, I believe. Um and yeah. he while um serving his time in in HM Prison Wakefield uh on the morning of uh, January 13th, 2004 at 6:20 a.m. uh on the eve of his 58th birthday, Shipman uh, hanged himself in his cell and was pronounced dead at 8.10 a.m. A statement from Her Majesty's Prison Service indicated that he had hanged himself from the window bars of his cell using bed sheets. After his death, his body was taken to the mortuary uh, for a post-mortem examination. West Yorkshire Coroner David Hinchcliffe uh, eventually released the body to the family after an inquest was opened and adjourned shortly after. Some of the mm. victims' families said that they felt cheated, as Shipman's suicide meant that they would never have the satisfaction of his confession, nor answers as to why he committed the crimes. Home Secretary, uh, Secretary David Blunkett said celebration was tempting. He quoted, You wake up and you receive a call telling you Shipman has topped himself, and you think, Is it too early to open a bottle? And then you discover that everybody's very upset that he's done it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah, it's the same as like our other things, like mur- murderers who die of cancer. You know, like yeah, you don't get that satisfaction of them putting him to death or ever, you know, confessing to it. Because, I mean, according to this, Shipman never confessed. He was just very adamant that he he wouldn't have done something like that. Um, That's really interesting. Which yeah. I I was I was doing some reading about Harold Shipman, and he actually. Um, uh, his entire case led to actual 
full-on concrete changes to standard medical procedures in the UK, now referred to as the Shipman effect. Yeah, the well, uh, there's a couple, couple uh, parts in here about that. Yeah, um, you know, apparently they had to change uh, their dispensing practices, and they they wouldn't. A lot of doctors wouldn't overprescribe pain medication, mm-hmm. which actually has led to underprescribing, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> wow! But also, death certification practices were altered as well. Huh. Um, so, and one of the things that that they stopped doing was allowing they stopped allowing single doctor general practices. So you have to have multiple people in office. Yes. That, it wasn't a direct recommendation, but it just basically said it, they didn't say that you had to. Yeah. But a lot of doctors started doing it as a way to cover themselves, so that know, way there's another person that has to sign off on your own stuff. I don't, I don't know if that was ever. I'm, I'm sure it was a thing in the U.S., but I've noticed while I've been in Vegas that any doctor I've gone to see, there's never just one. Like, even if I go to an office that's like so and so you know, MD or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the only person I've, the only doctor, I go to my ENT uh, and I always see him, but my primary doctor, I saw him like twice. And then ever since then I see someone else there. Like, I don't know why, like it's, yeah, for whatever reason, he's my primary, but I always talk to somebody else. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, like, I guess that's a thing here too, you know? Yeah. Um, but Shipman's motive was for killing himself was never established, though he reportedly told his probation officer he had considered it to assure that his wife's financial security uh, after he was stripped of his National Health Service uh, pension. Mm. Uh, Primrose Shipman received a full NHS pension. She would not have been entitled to it if Shipman had lived past 60. Additionally, there was evidence that Primrose, who had consistently protested Shipman's innocence despite the overwhelming evidence, had begun to suspect his guilt. Shipman refused to take part in courses which would have encouraged acknowledgement of his crimes, leading to a temporary removal of his privileges, including the opportunity to telephone his wife. During the period, according to Shipman's cellmate, he received a letter from his wife exhorting him to, quote, tell me everything, no matter what. A 2005 inquiry found that Shipman's suicide, quote, could not have been predicted nor prevented, but the mm-hmm. procedure should nonetheless be reexamined. After Shipman's body was released to the family, it remained in Sheffield for more than a year, despite multiple false reports about his funeral. His wife was advised by police against burying her husband in case the grave was attacked. Shipman was eventually cremated on the 19th of March 2005 at Hutcliffe Wood Crematorium, and it took place outside normal business hours to maintain secrecy and was attended only by Primrose and their four children. Yeah. So now that he's dead, um, there in 2001, Chris Gregg, a senior, uh, well, I guess this is before he was dead, but uh, senior yeah. West Yorkshire police detective was selected to lead the investigation into 22 West Yorkshire deaths. Following this, uh, the Shipman inquiry submitted in 2002 concluded he had killed at least 215 of his patients between 1975 and 1998. So I guess they... Yeah, he was killing early on. Yeah, he just wasn't... It wasn't in such huge numbers back then, uh, which I feel like it would have... He should have started... 
again, I'm not (laughs) advocating for the guy, but why wait until technology has evolved so much? Yeah. Like, why not do it in the 70s when you're like, okay, I can kill 100 people and no one's going to question it. Like, tracking back then was fucking non-existent almost. Um, So he practiced in Todd Morton and Hyde. And then Dame Janet Smith, the judge who submitted the report, admitted that many more of the deaths of suspicious nature could not be definitively ascribed to Shipman. Most of his victims were elderly women who were in good health. In her sixth Mm. and final report issued on the 24th of January, 2005, Smith reported that she believed that Shipman had killed three patients and she had serious suspicions about four further deaths, including that of a four-year-old girl during the early stage of his medical career. Interesting. In total. That was the one weird one. Yeah, that was the, the one that stood out. In total, 459 people died while under his care between 1971 and 1998, but it is uncertain how many of those were murder victims as he was often the only doctor to certify death. Smith's estimate of Shipman's total victim count over that 27-year period was 250. Jesus. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So that's estimated. Um, So they're unsure of the 459. She wants to pin him with 250. I guess the official number so far is 215. Yeah. The GMC charged six doctors who signed cremation forms for Shipman's victims with misconduct, claiming that they should have noticed this pattern between Shipman's home visits and his patient's deaths. All the victims were found not guilty in October of 2005. A similar hearing was held against two doctors who worked at the Tameside General Hospital in 1994 who failed to detect that Shipman had deliberately administered a, quote, grossly excessive dose of morphine. Uh, In 2005, it came to light that Shipman may have stolen jewelry from his victims. In 1998, they seized over 10,000 pounds worth of jewelry they found in his garage. (laughs) Like 10,000 pounds is in like uh, uh, monetary pounds, not actual like weight. Um, in March 2005, when Primrose asked for its return, police wrote to the families of Shipman's victims asking them to identify the jewelry. His wife was like, I want that shit back. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, unidentified items were handed to the Asset Recovery Agency. Investigation ended in August, and authorities returned 66 pieces to Primrose and auctioned 33 pieces that she confirmed were not hers. So she actually went through it and was like, yes, yeah, some of this is mine, some of this isn't. Um, Holy crap. Proceeds of the auction went to the Tameside victim support. The only piece returned to a murdered patient's family was a platinum diamond ring for which the family provided a photograph as proof of evidence. So how did, how did he still maintain his evidence and he had all this jewelry and shit of all the victims? <sighs> Unless he was just constantly telling his wife that he bought her jewelry, which I feel like should have been a little suspicious but maybe he was a very giving man i don't <laughs> i don't know i mean i'm just saying like the victim's family provided a picture of this ring that was in all of his stuff i mean that's proof yeah, of some even, kind of wrongdoing even that one piece of them like doing that it's like okay he was obviously up to something fishy also yeah. why was all of that in his garage 
That's what I'm saying. And, and like not <laughs> in her bedroom, you know, like why does she not have like a cabinet or something to put all that in if it were hers? At this point, yeah. she's probably like that son of a bitch left me like four kids and did all this shit. Like, yeah, I want that jewelry back. I'm going to go sell it. Yeah. A memorial garden to Shipman's victims called the Garden of Tranquility opened in Hyde Park on the 30th of July, nine, or sorry, 2005. As of okay. early 2009, families of over 200 of the victims of Shipman were still seeking compensation for the loss of their relatives. In September of 2009, authorities announced that letters Shipman wrote in prison would be sold at auction, but following complaints from victims' relatives in the media, they withdrew the letters from the sale. Now we get to the Shipman effect. The Shipman case and a series of recommendations in the Shipman inquiry uh, report led to changes to the standard medical practices in the UK you were referring to earlier. Yeah. Many doctors reportedly changed their dispensing practices, reluctance to low risk over prescribing, and have led to under prescribing. Uh, death cert- uh, certif- certification practices were altered. Uh, perhaps the largest change was the movement from single doctor to m- multiple doctor general practices. This was not a direct mm-hmm. recommendation, but rather because the report stated there was not enough safeguarding and monitoring. Um, and the forms needed for cremation uh, have had their questions altered as a direct result of the shipment case. For example, the person organizing the funeral must answer, quote, do you know or suspect that the death of the person who has died was violent or unnatural? And do you consider that there should be any further examination of the remains of the person who has died? And that uh, is where we will leave off on Harold Shipman. Harold Shipman. Well, um, yeah, Harold Shipman was an interesting one. I didn't know a whole lot about him I, going in. I mean, yeah, I again never, never really heard of him. Um, it's just wild to me to to think that like he did that for so long, and like he yeah. killed that many people. But it doesn't sound like he got a lot out of it. No, I mean, I I think that a lot of his killing was done i don't know it seemed like a lot of his stuff was done more along the lines of i guess i don't know some of them sound like his was more like a mercy thing for some of it yeah i'm but not all of them though well i mean a lot of his victims were to be found in prior good health yeah so like it, that's it's what not, I'm saying. Not all of them. I mean, some of them probably were. Yeah, it's not necessarily like a Kevorkian thing where it's like, all right, like put me out of my misery, like assisted suicide. It's yeah. It sounds like he may have had, was trying to get something out of it, but not really clear what. You know. Yeah. I mean, obviously he stole jewelry and was forging documents and all kinds of stuff, but. Yeah. So. I'm well. Not too sure i was trying to find um because i guess there are videos of him um and there's like a re there's a video you can find uh where'd it go just saw it uh his reaction i guess to being shown some evidence they have it on video (laughs) so you can look that up wow yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, 
Harold Shipman was a was a weird one. He's not he's not one of the more gruesome serial killers that we've ever talked about. But I think it was an interesting one. It, yeah, he was definitely interesting, just solely based on the amount of people that he was able to get away with. You know, well for yeah for years, because normally yeah. it's like, oh, this person was a horrific serial killer, and they did all this bad shit, and they killed you know five people or something. Yeah. Like him, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah, get on my level 250. Like, what's up? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna get out of here. We'll see you guys uh, later on in the week for another regular episode of news, and then uh, next Saturday, a week from today, uh, for another episode of Serial Saturday. I don't know who we're gonna talk about yet, uh, but you'll find out. Yeah, so I'll see you guys next week. Bye.